0: Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. We had our introductory episodes to the prophet Daniel, and today we launch into Daniel chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at Antichrist precursors, and we're going to focus on just the first couple of verses, and in particular, I want you to focus on one word, and I'll highlight that for you once we read the two verses. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. This just quickly summarizes how the southern kingdom of Judah was conquered by the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. And one of the things you're going to see in the book of Daniel is a real emphasis on kingship, particularly the title king of kings. In other words, an empire that encompasses other nations, and Nebuchadnezzar would have been a king of kings. He was one of the first world empires, and it says he brought them back to the land of Shinar. Now, This is on purpose, I believe, when it says the land of Shinar, because it's another way of saying he brought them back to Babylon. But if you are awake, when you read your Old Testament, when you hear the word Shinar instead of Babylon, then you think back, like to Genesis chapter 11 The Tower of Babel, or Babel, however you want to pronounce it, says the whole earth had one language and few words, and as men migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and that's where they built the Tower of Babel in rebellion against God, and also a place for idolatrous false worship you go a little bit further back into Genesis, you find that the ancient patriarch Cush became the father of Nimrod. And Nimrod was the first on earth to be a mighty man or a world ruler. And it says the beginning of his kingdom was Babel in the land of Shinar. So let's put two and two together. Here we have Nebuchadnezzar, and a world empire had just defeated the kingdom of Judah and taken captives to Babylon, including Daniel. That's how we got to Babylon. So, if we put two and two together, we have the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. We have Nimrod in Genesis 10. So, you put these two together, you have the world's first tyrannical kingdom. Ruled by a wicked Antichrist precursor. That's what the whole affair was with the Tower of Babel. That's what Nimrod in the same place of Shinar. Now, in the theological word book of the Old Testament, kind of summarizes in a real good way what all this land of Shinar, the Tower of Babel, stands for. It says, all of this points to a sinister, Significance for Shinar as being the major center for the development of a culture and civilization built on counterfeit religion, rebelliousness against the true God and his revealed word, and the cradle of imperial tyranny and the enemy of God's people. In short, the epitome of wickedness. Now, again, I'm back in Genesis. And it's kind of hard to get dates when you go that far back. A good approximate date for the building of the Tower of Babel is about 2200 BC. Now, the Babylonian Empire was about 600 BC. So, you're basically talking about 1600 years before the Babylonian Empire, the first precursor for the Antichrist world empire, and a precursor of the Antichrist himself, that is Nimrod, shows up in the world. And then, let's move forward. About six centuries after the Babylonian empire, we read in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 13. He writes, she who is at Babylon sends you greetings and so does my son Mark. Now, ancient land of Shinar was in the Mesopotamian valley and the city of Babylon, the empire of all this, was about 59 miles, I believe it's southwest, of Baghdad, Iraq. Uh, It was obviously in the news in the last several years. But when St. Peter says, she who is at Babylon sends you greeting along with my son Mark, St. Peter wasn't writing from Iraq. He was writing from Rome. And yet, Even though he used the word Babylon, he knew that this was the type, the precursor, ancient Babylon, of what the Roman Empire was doing six centuries later. And then you read again in Revelation chapter 18, fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. St. John wasn't writing about ancient Iraq or the Mesopotamian Valley, some catastrophe there. He was prophesying the fall of Rome, and the fall of Rome and all the wickedness that was coming out of the pagan Roman Empire is also indicative of the Antichrist Empire at the end of the age. So here's your picture, and as simple as it gets. Imagine human history as a subway, and you can be walking around the town and probably not hyper aware that a subway could be underneath your feet until maybe you hear some rumbling, some type of disturbance if a subway very quickly you know, rolls past underneath you. But in that subway route, again, the whole subway route would be like human history, there's multiple entrances and exits. So you have in the early chapters of Genesis, you have Nimrod and Babel, You move forward in history, you have the Babylonian Empire and Nebuchadnezzar. You move forward in history, and you have the Roman Empire and Caesar. These are all precursors of the Antichrist and the Antichrist kingdoms. Now, this is my point, and I've made it several times so far in Luke 21 radio, but you need to be aware a lot of modern-day... Catholic teachers, including conservative ones, insist that all this Antichrist stuff is simply something that has to do with the past. A coming world domination and kingdom from the Antichrist is nothing you should be worried about because it's all regarding the past. Now, I would say it is regarding the past, the whole subway route, the whole course of human history. See, you're really deceived if you think that evil only occasionally rears its head in this world. No, it's always there. It's beneath the surface, and yet it explodes to the surface in various personages, in various places in human history. But at the end of history, the worst of all of these evil leaders put together will be the Antichrist, and the very worst of all the tyranny of all these pagan kingdoms will be the kingdom of the Antichrist. So there is a kingdom yet coming, and, you know, there's very kind of—I want to I don't want to say crafty, but subtle ways when you don't highlight what you're saying by saying simply don't worry about it, you're actually— contradicting the catechism of the Catholic Church, along with Scripture. Because I've just tried to show you by the first two verses of Daniel, Daniel's trying to show you what's going on with Daniel's captivity in Babylon with this pagan king, Nebuchadnezzar. This is nothing new. This is all of history. It's popped up before, and it'll pop up afterwards. But the catechism says in that very important paragraph, 675, before Christ's second coming doesn't talk about the first century. It says, before the second coming, which hasn't occurred yet, the church must pass through a final trial. This wicked antichrist kingdom will persecute the people of God, just like the Babylonians attacked the kingdom of Judah. This is nothing new. It it will happen, but it will shake the faith of many believers. And one of the purposes of this broadcast is so that your faith isn't shaken. It says that, this final trial it will unveil the mystery of iniquity at the price of apostasy from the truth and apostasy is a major falling away from the truth and then the supreme religious deception is that of the antichrist and again this is in a paragraph that begins with before christ's second coming the church must pass through this so just be aware that this is how it works. Human history like a subway, it pops up in Genesis, it pops up in Daniel, it pops up in Revelation and 1 Peter, and it will pop up before Christ's second coming as a culmination of all these other things that preceded us. All right. I want to tell you something we're going to have for you when we get to Daniel chapter 2. And at the same time, um, this may be the last or second last time I make an appeal, but we're asking for financial support for whatever you might be prompted to give to support Luke 21 Radio and Family Life Center, which is the apostolate that supports this radio. And if you can share a gift in any amount, we'd like to send you a little gem of a book by Cardinal Newman entitled A Confederacy of Evil, and this is a great little booklet of four Advent sermons, and they're the kind of sermons that are designed to wake you up for the realities of what's going on in our world. And just uh, to make a donation, go to dads.org on your phone or your computer. There'll be a little button donate, and you can do a credit card or PayPal. If you do PayPal, you'll be in and out under uh, 60 seconds. But before you go out of PayPal, just leave a note or in your credit card, just say, send Newman, because sometimes we get donations through PayPal, people who aren't, don't even listen to Luke 21 radio. And then in addition, we will email you a diagram of that I have prepared for Daniel chapter two and Daniel chapter seven. It's a little confusing just listening to me, but if you have this in your hand and it's a color diagram of Daniel's vision of the four kingdoms, this will be simple, simple to understand, and you'll understand exactly what has gone on, what is going on, and what will go on in the world in which God has placed us. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 142 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.